The World Economic Forum had their yearly conference about two weeks ago. Needless to say, they're moving forward with the Great Reset. Let's listen to what they had to say, because it's going to affect a lot of us within the next few years. And to be honest with you, the policies of Joe Biden are already implementations of the Great Reset. Now, this is going to be a little longer of a podcast, and there's a reason. This stuff's really important, and you have to understand who these people are. So let's listen. This is going to be a little longer. I'm sorry. But this stuff is really important. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. We got a big episode today. We're going to talk about the the, uh, WEF, the World Economic Forum. They had their conference two weeks ago, and I said I'd go through some of the speakers. It's a very large conference, so it's, I mean, it's eight hours a day. And then they go and have steak dinners, even though we're supposed to be eating bugs and stuff. But um, so I, I was able to find some clips basically on Twitter and social media that really hit home and really shows you what the what the um, WEF is all about. But first things first, let's get to a couple. Let's get to a couple of things kind of that rolls the red carpet. Here's a story that came out today. This is concerning the WHO, the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization, by the way, is basically just an arm of the of China and it is embraced by the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. As a matter of fact, uh, Dr. Uh, Tedros, who I can't even pronounce his last name, was there speaking. We'll get to him in a few minutes because, as you might guess, we're heading towards another pandemic. And I think we have a date. I think it's going to be 2025 or 2026. We'll have another pandemic. It's coming. But the World Health Organization has done something really bizarre, and it shows us where we're going, and it also shows people like me, don't listen to the WHO. Don't If there is another pandemic, well, when there's another pandemic, I'm not going to be listening to the WHO. If they tell me to wear a mask, I'm not wearing a mask. If they tell me to stay indoors, I'm going out running or hiking or something. I am not going to listen to anything they have to say. So this is according to the Daily Wire. And I'm going to use language here. The World Health Organization, who established an expert advisory group on transgender health seeking guidance from transgender former prostitute who called the line of work empowering and an academic attempting to polarize gender fucking as a critical legal theory. The WHO's guideline development group on the health of trans and gender diverse people, that's a, that's a committee within the WHO, was established to facilitate the creation of guidelines aimed to at, quote, increasing access and utilization of quality and respectable health services by trans and gender diverse people, end quote, and establishing, quote, health policies that support gender-inclusive care and legal recognition of self-determined identities. So here are these people here. So we got a hooker, we got a tranny hooker, and we've got a somebody who's trying to popular, popularize um, trans people 
having sex with straight people, like trans women or men, having sex with other men, and that being normalized. So if you have sex with a trans woman and you're a man, you are actually straight. They're trying to convince us of this. Among the experts by the WHO is Erica Castellanos, who the WHO WHO says is a, quote, trans woman living with HIV from Belize who resides in the Netherlands, end quote. Castellanos, a former prostitute, is a member of the International AIDS Society, where he focuses on, quote, youth engagement in HIV activism, end quote. It is also... It also, notice the Daily Wire actually used the correct pronouns, he. It is a he. He can call himself Erica. He can dress like a woman. It's a he. It also includes Florence Ashley, an assistant professor at the University of Alberta and former clerk at the Supreme Court of Canada. Yet Canada is falling way, way to the left. They, they are going to be a trash heap in a few years who the WHO describes as a trans femme jurist and bioethicist whose work focuses on trans issues in the legal and healthcare systems, end quote. His most recent work, again, this is a man, his most recent work is how to use gender fucking as a strategy to resist gender governance. The WHO's decision to staff the board of radical gender activists calls into question the organization's ability to objectly, objectly assess the medical consequences of the interventions that attempt to modify one's sex. Here's a newsflash. The WHO always had this problem. The WHO is a, propagat- is a, pro- a medical propaganda wing of China, the WEF, and the United Nations. That's all it is. It pumps propaganda. It did it all through the COVID pandemic when it kept saying, oh, China didn't do that. Oh, the lab leak was just a theory. Oh, six feet, stay away. Oh, wear a mask all the time. Oh, get this untested vaccine. They'd been pushing left-wing talking points, WEF and Chinese talking points from day one. They're the ones that actually went out and told the uh, told our medical community, this is what needs to be done or you're all going to die. By the way, the Tedros who runs the, the WHO, yeah, not a doctor. He's not a medical doctor. And he's running the WHO. What is he? He's a politician. So there, there you go. That starts us off. On the WEF. You can see just how nasty the WEF is going to be. But that's not it. We also have an advisor to Klaus Schwab, a guy named Yuval Noah Harari. He's going to be our dumbass of the day. Now, mind you, this guy is an advisor to Klaus Schwab, who is in charge of the WEF and the author of The Great Reset. And again, before we sit there, The Great Reset is far right, is a far right conspiracy theory. No, it's not. Klaus Schwab, again, has a book called COVID-19 and The Great Reset. We didn't make it up. He wrote a book. No, I'm sorry. He wrote two books on the subject. 
The books are terrible, but you actually see where his left-wing leanings come from. And he tries to reason them. And he always attacks the United States. Never attacks China, by the way. Because guess what? He likes China. He likes what China is doing. So this guy basically lets it out. He's on a TED Talk, TED Talk here. And, of course, I think he pretty much assumed no one listens to TED Talk because only intellectuals listen to TED Talks. And he's an intellectual. And all the intellectuals in the TED Talk agree with him. And us dumbasses are never going to listen to the TED Talks. Well, that shows him that he's a dumbass. We listen to the TED Talks. I do, anyway. Because some of the most bizarre ideas come out of the TED Talks. So this clip has gone viral. And it went viral right before the WEF. Because it he basically says the quiet part out loud. So let's listen to Yuval Noah Harari and and as a lead up to all of the all of the sound clips we're gonna go over for the WEF. Many, maybe most legal systems are based on this idea, this belief in human rights. But human rights are just like heaven and like God. It's just a fictional story that we've invented and spread around. It may be a very nice story. It may be a very attractive story. We want to believe it. But it's just a story. It's not a reality. It is not a biological reality. Just as jellyfish and woodpeckers and ostriches have no rights, homo sapiens have no rights also. Take a human, cut him open, look inside. You find their blood and you find the heart and lungs and kidneys, but you don't find there any rights. The only place you find rights it is in the fictional stories that humans have invented and spread around. And the same thing is also true in the political field. States and nations are also like human rights and like God and like heaven. They too are, are, are just stories. A mountain is a reality. You can see it, you can touch it, you can even smell it. But Israel or the United States they are just stories, very powerful stories, stories we might want to believe very much, but still they are just stories. You can't really see the United States. You cannot touch it. You cannot smell it. This is got to be the worst effing argument anyone can make to something that they think doesn't exist. I, now, one of the things I'm going to have to do, if I'm going to get through all this, I'm going to have to just keep my comments short. But I got to tell you, I can spend two hours on this because everything he said is such bullshit. It's incredible. So we're going to sit there and hit. So his declaration right off the bat, there is no God. There is no Bible. You do not have rights. Well, here's some bad news. There are 2000 years of philosophy that basically debunks this. Because the fact is, he says there's simply no God simply because we can't see it. A child has made this argument in, in the belief in Santa Claus. Have you ever, mom, have you ever seen a million dollars? Well, no. Well, then how do you know it exists? This is the stupidest argument. Because I can't see it, it doesn't exist. How, here's a question. Have you ever seen a lung? How do you know it exists? There are, there's tons of evidence God exists. And every time you have someone like Nietzsche or Darwin or Marx 
talk about God and talk about religion, it's always the same art. Well, you can't see it, so it can't exist. And meanwhile, you can have 50,000 different... I, I can tell you one thing. I believe God exists because I see him every day. Little things happen that really are lucky that they happen. And the fact is, it's not that they're lucky they happen. They happen because you're being helped out. Now, let's let's get to that. Now, needless to say, I could talk about the God and Bible being fiction. Well, I mean, I, I do want to point out, in human history, in one sort or another, all humans have believed in God throughout human history. From 3000 BC till now, God has been a center. Now, maybe you believe that tree is a God. You Just because you don't believe in the same God as I do doesn't mean that you don't believe in some sort of God. So people who don't believe in a God, whatever that is, it may be the right God, it may be the wrong God. I think Allah is the wrong God. I think the Christian God is the right God. But all of human history, we've believed in God. The agnostics and the atheists of today, they are a very vast minority. Very few people have gone against God like these people do. And by the way, the anti-religion sentiment here, that seems to sound familiar. That's Marxism. That's communism, Leninism, Stalinism, socialism. None of them believed in God. As a matter of fact, Marx said, uh, God is the, religion is the opioid of the people. Opioid of the people. Opiate of the people. He believed that religion was a problem for what he wanted to do, what his type of government and economic system he wanted to implement. Lenin, saw, Lenin and Stalin saw it too. They, they basically threw you in jail if you believed in God. Not even if you practiced your religion, not even if you were a priest. If, you, if they thought you believed in God, they threw you in jail. And we know that those economic systems have caused nothing but misery, despair, starvation, and death for centuries. Okay, now, as far as rights are fiction and they don't exist, this should startle you. Because this is how oppression starts. This is straight out of Marxism. You don't have those rights. They don't exist. It's a social construct. That's why whenever I hear someone say, oh, that's a social construct, I get very disturbed. Because that means this guy thinks that everything's a social construct. And I say I have a right to defend myself. He's saying that's a, that's a right, that's a social construct. I, you don't have the right to defend yourself. Now, go into my gulag. Uh, he also says, uh, you can cut someone open and you don't see rights. You know what? This one, this one is just a stupid argument because you hear this all the time from atheists. You know what also you don't see when you cut someone open? You don't see human reason. You don't see human creativity. You don't see humans' ability to conceptualize the past, the present, and future. In other words, time. You don't see humans' understanding of life and death. You don't see moral understanding. You don't see the philosophy that, they can, that humanity creates. You don't see ethics that humanity creates. You don't see reading, writing, and math. Matter of fact, you cut a person's brain open, you don't even see whether they can read, write, or, or do math. 
Biologically, we are a lot like the monkeys. But the reality is, if you put us up against the monkey for survival, who's going to survive? It's going to be humanity because we are no, not like any animal in human history. A matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why a lot of religious people will sit there and say, we are not animals at all. We are images of God. Well, you find an animal that's like a human being and you talk to me about it. Because I'm telling you, there are no animals like us. We are above the animals. We've always been above the animals. And no animal has any ever in, in history has ever been like humanity. To say we're not exceptional is incredible. And those are only just a few aspects of humanity that we have that differentiates us from the animals. And none of that can be cut. You can't cut open and you can't see any of that. Does that mean we don't have it? Well, here's the other startling aspect of that statement. Yes, we are no different than animals. That's his point. We are nothing but animals. We're no different than cows or monkeys. This is what the elitists always think. Nietzsche said it. Darwin said it. Rose-Pierre said it. They all believe it. Marx said it. We are cattle. We are sheep that are to be tended by the elites. And you might say, well, that's kind of a hypocrisy because what you're basically saying is the elites don't see themselves as animals. And that's where Orwell comes into play. Orwell said, all animals are created equal, but some are more equal than others. That's out of Animal Farm. Yeah, well, there's a reason he said that. Because the elites, they think themselves as animals, but they are far more superior than we are. The problem with animals, the, the thinking we're animals, is that they, they believe they can train us. They believe they can change, change us. Like, you can train a dog to sit. You can train a dog to roll over. You can train a dog not to crap on the carpet. They believe they can do that with us. By the way, that's why socialism and Marxism have failed. Lenin knew that, by the way. Lenin said that Marxism was a failed philosophy. He said that if you're going to have Marxism work, you had to force people to do it. Marx believed that Marxism would be implemented naturally because people wanted to go in that direction. That's not true. It didn't work. And Lenin, based, it's not working in this country either. Marxism does not, is not being implemented. It's being forced upon us. But the left wants us to see us as instinctual beings. That's it. Animals are instinctual. If, an, if a dog needs to take a dump, it's going to take a dump. If a dog is hungry, it's going to eat something. It's not going to worry about its figure. It has no concepts of anything. It just has concepts. It just understands what it wants at that moment. My dog is a prime example. She wants to go for a walk. She'll get up and start bothering the crap out of me until I take her for a walk because that's what she wants right now. That's instinct. That's the difference between human beings. But you can see our society is trying to make us into, into instinctual beings. Have sex with everybody. Be pissed off at the billionaire who worked hard. You don't have to work hard. 
You should get everything. Like, we're going to give you the scraps from our table so you can eat. This is very dangerous. This stuff has led to Marxism, socialism, fascism, communism. It's led to slavery, eugenics, Malthusianism, abortion, euthanasia. Man can die. And it's just another animal dead on the street. And we've seen this happen in China. We've seen this happen in the Soviet Union. We've seen this happen in East Asia, Vietnam, North Korea, uh, uh, Laos. We've seen it happen in South America. It's happening already in Brazil. We've seen it in Venezuela. It's happening. It happened in Argentina before. It's happening in Mexico. And now it's happening in the United States. You think people dying of drug overdoses on the streets isn't that concept? Isn't because of these beliefs by the elites? There's a reason the elites don't give a shit about homeless, don't give a shit about mental health, don't give a shit about drug addiction. They want you drug addicted. Okay, I went way longer. Here's the problem. Here's the problem they have. I'm going to go longer still. The United States, that's their problem. We believe in God. That's why this guy said, it's not just human beings that these are all concepts. United States doesn't exist. We don't exist. That's what he said at the end of his statement. We don't exist. You can't touch the United States. I don't know. I'm touching the United States right now. What is he talking about? I'm in the United States. I'm touching it right now. I'm existing in it right now. I have the freedoms. I have the right to say whatever I want. Whether YouTube blocks me or not, I have the right to own a gun and defend myself. I have a right to, to, to practice my religion. No one's going to arrest me for that. But it's happening. It is happening in the United States. They are arresting you for your religious beliefs. They are arresting you for your speech. They are arresting you if you have a gun. It's all happening. They're taking it all away. And how do I know? They just hate the United States. Do you know who they're not targeting at all? The WEF doesn't talk about WEF does not talk about at all. China. China has concentration camps. They've got gulags. They might have death camps. We're not sure yet. Your iPhone, your Nikes, all made by slave labor. But they don't mention any of that. Okay, so that's the WEF. So here it is. Let's get let's get now to the actual conference. This is how the conference started. And so they had some pagan witch doctor, I think she's from South America, go in there and say a pagan prayer to a tree or something. I don't know. And then sneeze on all of the participants. This is really, really weird. I, I don't think we should be surprised by any of this. I, I think this is what they do. So let's listen to this broad. chayanu. <laughs> Na no Camarro Anuri, no Camai, no Camuacá, na Anuri, no Yuyuá, na Wahon, Xinambu, Punk, Tu Xinam, Xaval aqui, Xinambu, Kikirani, Tsang, Xavai, Kirani, Tsang, Kikirani. Awamau, Nanã, Awamau, Nanã, no Marro, no Wai, Wai, Xarai.
Okay, yeah, she's walking around sneezing on everybody. Now, why does the WEF do this every year? They always have some pagan on doing some pagan uh, pagan religious ceremony before they do this. They did it the year last year. They did it the year before. Because unlike the God of Judaism and Christianity, their God is all about nature and human nature. And humanity is nothing. Humanity is a slave to nature. It's like the gods of Rome and, and Greece. The gods of Rome and Greece controlled everything. The gods of, Ro- of Greece used to rape women. These were, these were not humanity. It was always a war between the gods and men. Also, people celebrate this crap are usually pretty stupid and can be manipulated. They like it. That's why when they keep talking about the Indians being so freaking beyond everybody else, I just look at them like, what, are you nuts? Okay. In other words, these natives, these indigenous peoples, they're lesser than the elites and they know it. They want us all to be stupid like this. These people don't have a concept of rights. They don't have a concept of democracy of freedom, or anything like that. They don't have a concept of economics. Hell, the indigenous people of the United States, and this is a this is a really tough one because I'm an indigenous person from the United States, but the Native American people, oh shit, I'm a Native American person. You're probably a Native American person too. The first Indians that were in the United States, they didn't even have a concept of the wheel. So they didn't realize, they didn't have domestication of animals. They had diseases like smallpox, uh, smallpox, chickenpox, herpes, syphilis. They were all dying out because they, they were too busy worshiping the sun or rocks or whatever and not busy trying to improve themselves and use the gifts God gave them. That's what happens when you don't believe in God. Okay. So, of course, you can't have anything, any globalist conference without Volodymyr Zelensky. So he was invited again. Um, By the way, this guy would never be invited to this because he's just a short little wet fart if it weren't for Russia attacking Ukraine. And, of course, he goes to this conference wearing fatigues like he's been fighting in a trench someplace. Yeah, let's remember... Volodymyr Zelensky took a private plane from Kiev to Davos and, you know, is walking around. He's a billionaire. Okay, but, you know, he's got to have a comment because he's so important. And we'll talk about why he's important in a second. Let's just listen to this wet fart talk. Thank you so much. If anyone thinks this is only about us. This is only about Ukraine. They are fundamentally mistaken. Possible directions and even timeline of a new Russian aggression beyond Ukraine become more and more obvious. Let me ask very honestly, which European nation today can provide a combat-ready army on par with ours, holding back Russia? And how many men and women are your nation ready to send to defend another state, another another nation? 
And if one must fight against Putin together in the years ahead, isn't it better to put an end to him and his war strategy now, while our brave men and women are already doing it? They are the world's chance. They are. Voldemar Zelensky is a grifter. He's a con artist. He's a bullshit artist. He's a corrupt fascist. That's what he is. Ukraine is not a democracy. It's an oligarchy. He's a tyrant. This guy has banned religion. He will probably never leave office. And he is just going out and begging, begging, begging. You know, there's a fight between Israel and Gaza and outside of, and God, Israel is the true democracy. Israel represents Western civilization. No one's talking, no one invited Benjamin Netanyahu over there or Benny Gantz. No one invited anyone from Israel over there. And the fact of the matter is, Zelensky's having a problem. He's not the center of attention right now. One of the reasons the United States wants to give him another $60 billion and people are saying no in the United States. But he's got to keep up the grift. And one of the things that bothers me is the rumors he's worth billions of dollars now. Not bad for a low-end comic who became president of a country. Okay, here's the next one here, and we have to go fast or we're never going to get through this. Here's Naomi or Orski from Harvard and Rushan Fernando, and they're making these same old statements about social media, and they're talking about X. They're talking about Twitter. They're not talking about Facebook because Facebook and Twitter, they're doing exactly Facebook and Instagram and, and TikTok. They're all doing what they want. But of course, they got a bitch and it's all about free speech. These people in the United States, they keep saying things we don't like. It's got to be stopped. And that Twitter, that X, that evil X, they keep letting the people talk. Let's listen to these two idiots. For a long time, I was on Twitter. um, And now it's become such a toxic place that I've concluded it's not a worthwhile place to spend time. And as you've said, it is exhausting. So you do have to pick and choose. And you have to think about where the places where you can get your message across. But I am trying to figure out, I mean, I have given up on X. What a scary name that even is, right? And I don't know what the alternative is right now. So the question of the social media, I must say that I have happened on Twitter too. So X, because yeah, it's toxic environment. And we talk about, I have no solution on that, but I think one day it will come the moment of the um, code of conduct Mm -hmm. in these places. Because journals, journalists, if you spread crazy news and uh, insults and if you if a journalist says racist things it can uh, it can be amended exactly. why on so why social media yes. that they have such big power we still can because it's new but i think we, there will be a societal reflection on how information is brought mm-hmm. there of course on x now there is also the the policy of the, the of the owner that is problematic but i think this is a problem of uh, of the society of the future the deontology in social media in other words shut up x shut up hey they're not their twitter isn't a bad platform they don't like Twitter because of Elon Musk, and Elon Musk believes in free speech. 
That's what it comes down to. And whatever they call, whatever they they decide to call uh, things they don't like, they call it misinformation. So Elon Musk is a proponent of spreading misinformation and disinformation because we don't like what he's allowing on Twitter. By the way, um, men are women. Men cannot be women. That would be considered misinformation. So you tell me, what the, do these people actually have a valid argument? No, they don't even make the argument. They don't tell us what's misinformation. They just say misinformation. They do this through the entire, through any time they actually have a comment. That's what they say. Well, it's a spreading of misinformation. They don't tell us what it is. Because if they did tell us what it was, a lot of us would sit there and say, uh, no, that's not misinformation. That's actually true. Men cannot be women. That's not misinformation. Or I'm voting for Donald Trump. That's not disinformation. That's not election interference. But they want to eliminate Trump from social media. Okay, now this is the this is the part I always like uh, talking about. It's the, it is COVID and the Great Reset. Because let's face it, the Great Reset, I mean, Klaus Schwab's book's called Great Reset, COVID-19 and the Great Reset. The reason these people think they can do what they want to do, whatever they want to do, is because of COVID-19. So it didn't work out completely for them. It worked out well, but it didn't work out completely. So what do they need to do? How about have another pandemic? Here is British Chancellor Jeremy Hunt. I don't know what has happened to Britain. Britain has gone so far to the left, it's almost scary. And he's talking about the next great pandemic and how they're preparing for it. When we have the next pandemic, we don't want to have to wait a year before we get the vaccine. And if AI can shrink the time it takes to get that vaccine to, to a month, then that is a massive step forward for humanity couple of things about this. First off, uh, do you know what the when the pande- last pandemic, before COVID-19, when the last pandemic was? I mean, real pandemic. Uh, I believe it was the um, Asian flu or something back in 1920. Now, these people are talking about the next pandemic within the next couple of years. Another problem I have with this is the use of AI to create a use of AI to create a uh, a vaccine. Well, I mean, okay, you can use AI, but I wouldn't trust AI to make a vaccine. My problem with the COVID vaccine is they never tested it. We don't know if it, we, we know now it doesn't work. We know now that it there are side effects. We know now that it doesn't prevent the transmission of or the receiving of the virus. It doesn't didn't really help at all. And that everything they were telling us was a lie. I mean, I've had COVID four times. Me and Josie have had, Josie and I have had COVID four times. We test every time we get the sniffles because we're constantly getting COVID. But it isn't just him. Then there's this uh, Tedros Ghebreyesus from the World Health Organization. I talked about Tedros a while back because, and no one, everyone calls him Tedros because no one can pronounce his last name. 
And let's not forget, he's not a doctor, but he's also talking about how we could have the next pandemic. The difference is he actually talks about when we're probably going to have it. So let's listen. In order to have better prepared and to address the disease X is the pandemic agreement. Mm -hmm. The pandemic agreement can bring all the experience, all the challenges that we have faced and all the solutions into one. And that agreement can help us to prepare for the future in, in a better way. Because this is about a common enemy. And without a shared response, starting from the preparedness, it, you know, we will face the same problem as, as, as COVID. And deadline for the pandemic agreement is May 2024. And member states are negotiating. This is between countries. Um, and I hope they will deliver uh, this pandemic agreement by that time, by on the deadline. Because if this generation cannot do it, we're the lived community, we have the first-hand experience, I don't think the coming generation, the next generation will do it. So for our children and grandchildren's sake, I think we have to convert all the lessons we have learned into this pandemic and prepare the world for, for, for the future. Because this is a common global interest and national interest, very narrow national interest should not come into, into the way. Of course, national interest is natural, but it's the narrow national interest that could be difficult and affecting the negotiations even as, 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 as we speak. So um, we're still not prepared, but I think there are many moving parts we have started, good ones, all of us together, that, that can prepare us better if we focus on the implementation of these uh, initiatives. Thank you and back to you. So they're not ready yet, but they will be by around 25, 2025, 2026. And heck, they even have a name for it. It will be Pandemic X. Okay, they have a plan. When this, when this pandemic comes, which should be in a couple of years, you're going to see that that plan implemented, and that plan is going to be taking away our freedom, censorship, mass incarceration, economic collapse and riots by leftists that's what what their plan is oh yeah no toilet paper by the way notice there's very little curiosity by any of these people and i i listen to this guy there's very little curiosity where the covid19 virus came from there's very little curiosity where it was started what pangolin actually spread it where it started there's no interest in any of that. They don't want to talk about that because they love China. Okay, here's another thing. It's AI. AI is extremely dangerous. All right? It is very dangerous. And hearing what these guys want to implement with AI, and mostly what it is is it's um, solving, quote, problems, end quote. They also want to do it to monitor and by the way, just a little FYI about AI. AI is programmed by people with ideologies and mostly leftist ideologies. Don't believe me? Type in, can a man be a woman in chat GPT and guess you'd be shocked what the answer is. The answer is, of course. And then you can sit there and have a debate with it and it'll just shut you down like every other leftist does during a debate. 
So here's a guy, here's Klaus Schwab talking to the guy who actually invented ChatGPT. And he has some, I don't know, very startling revelations on how AI can be used during our elections. Is and uh, digital technologies mainly have an analytical power. Now we go into a predictive power, and we have seen the first examples, and your company very much involved into it. But since the next step could be in, to go into a prescriptive uh, mode, which means um, uh, you you do not even have to have elections anymore because you can already uh, predict what uh, predict and afterwards you can say why do we need elections because we know what the result will be hear that no more elections where ai is going to take over so much this is the danger of ai by the way ai will figure out who's going to win the election for example we don't even need this election between joe biden and donald trump ai already knows that i'm voting for joe biden that is that's scary that these guys are actually thinking like that. See, I'm worried about AI taking over a nuclear weapon and stuff. That's what I'm worried about with AI. But no, this guy's like, oh, hey, we don't even need elections anymore. Hey, we just, AI will know who you vote for. AI, after all, is smarter than you. And by the way, doesn't doesn't Klaus Schwab sound like some sort of uh, he's called by Ben Shapiro a James Bond villain. Uh, that's exactly what he sounds like. A bunch of others, like um, Steven Crowder, calls him a Marvel villain. Uh, he just sounds like just evil Nazi-esque kind of guy. Just, oh. So George Soros has given up. You know, he's like 300 years old. So George Soros has decided to give his his fortune to his son and let his son run the political side of the business. And I've never heard this asshole speak. And by the way, my understanding is he's worse than George Soros. He's more leftist than George Soros. That really says something. But I also listened to him speak at this conference and I just discovered something. The guy's a fucking moron. He is stupid. He can't get four words out of his mouth. And everything out of his mouth is just a cliche or a leftist buzzword. That's all he does. And he really hates the United States. He's very clear about that. He hates democracy. He hates the United States. But let's listen to him. Here's two and a half minutes of two hours, two minutes and 15 seconds of him basically saying nothing and his speech being filled with, uh, 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 and, oh yeah, he doesn't like Donald Trump and he doesn't like the constitution. Well, I take it back. It's not that he doesn't like the constitution. He obviously doesn't know the constitution, which is weird. He's an American citizen. So let's listen to him. Um, but, um, you know, I, um, I don't think that that's the, I don't think that that's the fundamental, I don't think the technology is the fundamental issue uh, in in democracy. Democracy is messy. I mean, you know, democracy is about contestation of ideas. It's about uh, plurality. Um, it's about people having different truths, actually. Now, um, fundamentally, uh, how society lives together 
um, civically um, in those in those contestations um, is you know is obviously uh, is obviously um, you know quite uh, quite uh, you know quite tricky. But I think that if we play too much on this disinformation card, we're taking the responsibility away from ourselves to actually create a narrative that inspires people to vote and to believe. Uh, you know, in um, uh, in uh, in democracy and democratic um, institutions. And on the institutional part, I think that we can talk about uh, institutions as these abstract things, but institutions are also about people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, you know, we just heard this, this this point about untrustworthy people, and we talked about things in the United States like you know, like um, checks and balances, which aren't written anywhere, but are customs. And one man. Donald Trump literally came in and just took that, you know, took that, took that all away, um, you know. So, um, you know, so, um, you know. But when I see this, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, um, you know, uh, more globally regarding, regarding, you know, regarding democracy, I also say to myself, when was this great time that everybody got along so well, and you know, things were going so, so great? I mean, I think, you know. Um, um, you know the, um, you know I think that we really have to be careful here, in you know in this nostalgia, uh, for a time, uh, you know for a time past because a lot of the reactions we're seeing in society are actually reactions to positive, uh, to positive things like, you know like equality uh, for women, um, you know uh, and um, uh, you know and greater diversity uh, which come with backlash. Uh, this guy can't string two words together without uh, or like or uh, you know or whatever. Did you even understand anything he said? Did he make any sense outside of Trump is a tyrant? I mean, that's that the only thing he said, and he knows obviously nothing about the uh, checks and balances is in the Constitution. They it's written. The process is written. They may not say checks and balances. Okay, but the process is a set of checks and balances. If he read the Federalist Papers, they do say that in the Federalist Papers. So this guy doesn't know the Constitution, doesn't like democracy because it's messy. Unlike um, starvation and poverty and despair in communist countries, which he loves and he supports, you know, there is democracy's messy. You know, well, let's face it, China and the Soviet Union, they cleaned up the mess by creating gulags and just killing people. So the Nazis, by the way. Nazis is basically a socialist party. It's in their name. So, yeah, this guy, this guy is the one we should be listening to on how to develop political, uh, how to how to build political structures. This guy knows. He can't get. A, he can't say a word. He sounds like he's been educated over in a grammar school, but we should listen to him. But he's got those buzzwords down in between the us and you knows. Okay, here's a gal who is basically she goes out and blames Republicans again. This is a gal named Alex Reeve Givens from the Center, uh, Center for Democracy and Technology. So you can tell another Orwell-typed, Orwell-named center. And she basically blames Republicans for not letting Joe Biden do whatever he wants. In other words, 
calling social media platforms and telling them to censor certain items. She blames Republicans for that. So again, understand something. You don't have a right to free speech. That's what these guys are saying. You do not have any rights. They believe this. They have the rights because they're the elites. So let's listen to her go off. This big election year, what kinds of safeguards and measures are you thinking that companies and countries should be trying to implement as they get ready for elections? Sure. Well, I'll pick up on a theme that I think you were just getting to, which is one of the most crucial intervention points is how we surface authentic, trusted sources of information. And you're absolutely right that the media has a critical role in this. Some of the tech companies do. If you're a search engine or a social media platform, I think it is your duty to help surface the trusted sources of information. But we spend a lot of time with election officials, helping them understand how to navigate this new normal and how to boost the trusted place to go to for your polling information. How do they rapidly respond when there are mis- or disinformation campaigns going on in their jurisdiction? And really, that is a crucial element. And there's some low-hanging fruit there. Um, again, forgive the US focus and the, the study I'm about to cite, but one piece of research that my organization did looked at um, the domains that election officials were using. Were they using a trusted.gov domain or something like springfieldvotes.com? And only one in four election officials in the United States was using a trusted.gov domain. Wow. What she's basically saying is the government should have a say in exactly what is legitimate. And the government, of course, is a leftist government. Now, would she believe this if it wasn't Biden in the White House, but it was Trump? What if Trump did this? Then she'd be sitting back and screaming that Trump is manipulating the elections by calling social media platforms and telling them what they can produce or putting right-wing conservative uh, ideals on a .gov domain. She would be accusing Trump. It is the leftist. She wants this leftist government in the United States because she is pointing to the United States. She wants the leftist government to control what information is out there and she wants the leftist government to be the one to state what is legitimate information. And the legitimate information is only what goes to her narrative. That's it. It's kind of weird how that works. And and the thing is, the Republicans, oh, they prevent Joe Biden from... No, Joe Biden was censoring information. He was violating the Constitution. The judge in the judgments, in the judgments said... Joe Biden is violating the Constitution. That is a quote. He said that. You can't do that. It should have, there should be no censorship by the government. And by the way, that would apply to Donald Trump too. As it should. Okay, let's get to let's get to John Kerry, because we we are running really long here, and there really isn't that much. And oh no, there, there's one more. There's one more. This this guy here, I don't know who this is. Uh, I don't really care. But he came up with something that I think is a, I don't think it is. It's a Chinese idea. The Chinese are very good. The one thing the Chinese are very good is at is monitoring people. They monitor people. They have a social credit system. That social credit system does prevents people from traveling. That social credit system controls what they can buy. 
Okay, well, this guy, he wants to implement this in the United States. And he wants to do this through digital ID monitoring. Now, in a second, we're going to talk about what he means by this digital ID monitoring, because I don't think it is what it is what you think it is. It's going to be a little more than just an ID card. Let's listen to this guy. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. So what exactly are we going to do with that carbon footprint? Well, we're not going to do anything. It's what they're going to do with it. Well, your carbon footprint's too big. You're traveling too much. Well, we're going to prevent you from traveling. We're going to make it that that digital ID is what you're going to use to pay for everything. They're already doing this with guns. Bank of America, uh, Chase, a lot of these big banks are making it that they're monitoring, they're actually tagging when you use their cards to buy, let's say, a gun or ammunition. And they're reporting it to the government. That's not a conspiracy theory. They're actually doing that. Congress, in its weak little way, is trying to prevent them from doing that, but they are doing it. The goal, eventually, of all this monitoring is to do something about it. That should scare the shit out of everybody. Because eventually, they're going to do what China does. China has a digital ID system. It has a social credit score. You travel too much, it will prevent you from traveling. And that's what they're going to do. Eventually, Bank of America, when I buy my ammo, I buy it with cash. I don't, I don't buy it with the... It, but what does the government want to do? Get rid of cash. They want a digital currency. Of course they do. Because cash is going to be something they can't really trace. They can, but they, they don't. They don't really trace it that much. So eventually, this is the problem. Oh, it sounds like a great idea. I can see what my, my carbon footprint is. Oh, yay. I'm probably not going to do anything about it. What should scare you is, what's the government going to do about it? Because not only do you have that digital ID, they have that digital ID. And that's where you get into that scary social credit score. That's when you get into... The scary, it'll prevent you from doing certain things, from maybe buying certain foods. You eat too much beef. Well, you can't buy beef. You can only buy it once a week. That's the kind of crap they're doing in China. And that's the kind of crap they want to do here. What we also got to be concerned about is how, what are these digital IDs? They're talking about inserting chips, digital ID chips into the human body. They're talking about tattoos. They are actually talking about like revelations apocalypse crap. They're not talking about you carry a card with you. China, they carry a card. They want to actually implement chips into the body. And that's when you get into really scary stuff because then if you don't, if you refuse to have a chip in your body, what happens then? I don't know. 
Okay, let's get to John Kerry because, you know, John Kerry, and you know what he's going to be talking about. It's all going to be about, uh, it's all going to be about, oh, we're not going to get to John Kerry yet. We got to get to Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan is Joe Biden's national security advisor. Now, if you really think for a second that um, Joe Biden isn't in on all this, you're nuts. Because the reality is the country is going in the exact direction the WEF wants. High inflation, they want that. Redistribution, they want that. Open borders, they want that. Even criminality, they don't mind that. They want Joe Biden, they want uh, gun control. They don't want you to be able to protect yourself. That's what Joe Biden's doing. You can't have a tyrannical state if people uh, can defend themselves. If, let's say, we can start a revolution, they don't want that. Well, here's Jake. Well, this is the new world order. And Jake Sullivan completely agrees with it. Yeah, it's a new world order. Let's listen to Jake Sullivan. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order to bring into a new world order and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back and we rather uh, have an order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades. We are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. We're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. And at the heart of it will be many of the core principles and core institutions of the existing order adapted uh, for the challenges that we face today. And that's a, a lot of what I tried to lay out in my remarks. Some of that goes to geopolitics and how we build uh, or update the international economic order in ways that address the needs of working people, address the climate crisis. Equity, climate change, racial equity, open borders. That's the new world order, folks. That is the new world order. Not owning anything. That is the new world order. And the Biden administration not only believes in that, they're all in on it and they're implementing policies just like it. Finally, let's get to John Kerry because we can't skip John Kerry. John Kerry, who last I checked, doesn't even have a job, but they, they keep bringing him in. So he's got a couple things. The first thing he tries to do, again, as he always does, economic or um, climate change panic. Now, listen to him a little bit and... Yeah, just listen. Um, I'm trying to find a way every day to be able to communicate to people what the urgency really is and why it is that uh, we need to more and more take seriously uh, what the scientists are telling us and what Mother Nature is telling us on a pretty regular basis. Uh, last year, 2023, which David referred to, was literally the most disruptive, climate disruptive, most climate consequential 
negative year in human history. And as we all know, if you measure, uh, you know, there's a, there's a uh, important uh, body of evidence now that's been laid out that really uh, doesn't leave us any space for debate or frankly procrastination any longer. There are millions of people, already millions, moving in various places on the planet. Not always exclusively because of climate, but greatly added to by climate. Water crises, uh, lack of ability to grow the crops they used to grow, a prevalence of disease that now takes hold that we thought we had eradicated. Uh, the climate crisis is also a health crisis. Uh, in addition to that, the quality of the air, which comes directly from uh, greenhouse gas emissions, is killing 7 million people a year around the planet. Uh, and uh, when I say killing them, I mean I'm talking about literally the disease that you get because you're breathing in particulates uh, and the levels of cancer, the levels of... Uh, complications for people with heart disease or emphysema and so forth are clear scientifically. Okay, you know, everything's a crisis. Everything's a crisis. And what this guy has just done, he's basically, through hyperbole, said that everything that the Biden administration doing is perfect because that's exactly, uh, open borders, yes, because it's climate crisis. Uh, people dying of drug overdoses. Yes, because of climate climate crisis. Everything is a crisis. Cancer, which, by the way, Joe Biden promised to eliminate when he ran for office in 2020. Cli cl climate crisis. It's all climate crisis. Now, he was very telling about one thing. He was very telling about one thing. That one thing was, I keep telling people. Here's the problem John Kerry ha has. He's not listening to anybody. It, not all scientists believe in climate in, that climate is a crisis. There are books and books and books stating that this is very exaggerated. That the climate is changing. That human beings do have something to do with it. But to what extent is not known and no one's studying it. And that our, he says right off the bat, something else that's telling, we have had the worst climate in human history. We've been studying climate for 100 years. 120 years we've been studying climate. Where the hell does he come up with the hyperbole? Human history. Really? In 1024 BC, you know what the weather was? He doesn't. It's a lie. It's hyperbole. It's panic mode. He doesn't listen to people who say this. And these people, we don't want to ruin our economy by putting up a, a freaking solar panel that's not going to work maybe 50% of the time. By the way, it's pouring rain in California. How, how, how uh, useful are those solar panels going to be? Well, not very. We've already heard that the, the bloody windmills are killing the birds. You don't seem to be too concerned with that. Here's the problem. He has a narrative. 
He listens to the scientist. His narrative is to gain power, is to create big government. He only listens to the scientists that go with his narrative. And he dismisses all of them. And then he tells you, the science says, by the way, the weather's worse now than it's ever been in human history. Hello, humanity has survived a uh, ice age. I'm pretty sure that's probably not true. And we're going to survive another ice age. And we're going to survive a tropical environment. Whatever happens, we will adapt. Because that's how humanity is going to defeat the changing of the climate. By adapting. Not by suddenly changing the way life works. Now, there is some good... I John Kerry, it just... My God, I know the, the all the plastic he's stuck in and injected into his face is probably going to have this guy living till he's 150. I don't know, but this guy just needs to go away. All right, but there were some good folks uh, there. The first one, the first guy here, I was really shocked they actually had. I think they stuck him in a real small room. And he basically sums up the WEF. This guy is named Kevin Roberts from the Right Wing Heritage Foundation. He's the president of the Heritage Foundation. I donate to the Heritage Foundation. They're excellent articles, well thought out articles. And this is a long one. This is about three minutes, but he just sums it up. He sums it up, everything, in five or six points. And this guy... This guy, oh, every time, they, they should start with this guy's, this clip. Because it is an amazing clip. And I don't think I could add any more to it. Let's listen. It's laughable that you would, or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally, Standing up for it. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and, and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But there, the, the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that's your part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, ba based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful 
and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Absolutely a beautiful speech. Absolutely, everything is correct. He beat on this beautifully. And no one had a, no one had a argument there. No one pushed back because they couldn't push back. Because all, if they did, all he would do is sit back and say, wait a minute. Uh, what about this? What about that? He gave the examples. And no one could say anything about it. And he was absolutely right. And everything he's pointing out is straight out of... Everything bad that he's pointing out is straight out of Klaus Schwab's book. That's why there was no pushback. It was all true. There was another... A fine statement by Javier Mele. He's the conservative president. He was just elected in Argentina. And he, I, I was really surprised. He wasn't in a back room like the president from the Heritage Foundation was. He was actually right up front. He was introduced by Klaus Schwab. And this was pretty amazing. I got to tell you, it was pretty amazing. You could tell Klaus Schwab was actually kind of choked up. He didn't want to say any of this stuff. So let's listen to Klaus Schwab gush on Melee. When I say gush, he it was performative. He didn't mean to do it. but And then Melee absolutely tear apart the WEF. Let's listen. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's for me... Uh Great, great honor to welcome Javier Millet, as you know, the freely elected president of uh, Argentina. And it's actually your first trip to a foreign country after you have been elected. First, congratulations for your election. 
And congratulations also to your sister who managed your um, election campaign. I think you, sometimes people would say with more radical methods, but you introduce a new spirit to Argentina, making Argentina much more related to free enterprise, to entrepreneurial activities, also to bring Argentina back to the rule of law. So we have a very extraordinary person among us today. And of course, we are all eager uh, to listen to you. And again, a very cordial welcome to the World Economic Forum. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. Yep. Absolutely correct again. And he's talking about them. And you can tell he was talking about them by the silence in the crowd. They were not happy to hear him. Especially on the main stage. Okay, we got th right through it. Um, believe it or not, there's more. You can go to Dumbass Talking Politics and take a look at the website. I've got a ton of stuff. Equally scary, but I couldn't get through it all. This, this ran quite a bit longer. Uh, there will be no podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm taking the day off. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday. This God bless. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbass Talking Politics.